On this week's episode, a detour in 2022 for Xbox fans. Master Chief gets a little frisky. And is the Pentaverit the end of Michael Myers? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. We've got a ton of games going each and every week right here at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus also as well, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture right there on Pop Culture Cosmos at Facebook. Plus the Lakers Fast Break, where we cover the NBA and so much more. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Humanican Media. Also as well, popculturecosmos.com. And if you can go ahead and like, share, subscribe, follow, and do anything that you can to support all those entities, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own pentaverit of the pop culture cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His amazing stuff that he's got waiting for you at Humanica Media, including the Super BS Gamescast and also as well. His amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, and in the archives, also as well, Topicocalypse. You got to go ahead and catch that wherever you get your podcasts. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? I did it. I finally did it. I sat down on the couch and I watched Uncharted. There you go. And I have a thought. Okay. Would have been a hundred times better as a streaming series. Agreed. I didn't dislike the concept. I just felt like everything was so rushed. Yep. I also didn't like the the boat helicopter fight, but I could have stomached that if I could have had like a longer story. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but I think you are with CW and this is that concerned. Robbie Amell, who's in the Arrowverse and the Flashverse and all that stuff, he's in a show recently that ended its season two. You got to check it out on Amazon Prime. It's called Upload. Really cool comedy, really cool concepts. Wish they had a little bit more upgrade on the production values, but outside of that, I think it's a really good watch. I think you got to check it out. He plays the lead character. He would be a great Nathan Drake in a series had that come to fruition. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking it should have been fleshed out a lot more as well. Oh, dang, you're right. Yeah, his brother is Arrow. Yeah. Okay. So, Robbie Amell, he gets uploaded into this consciousness called Lakeview and some whole bunch of things happen. And there's a love story and a love triangle going on. And it's actually gone, like I said, gone through two seasons now. It's a pretty good watch. I binged through it over the weekend and I highly recommend upload. So hopefully everybody will give it a chance if you got Amazon Prime. But Robbie Amell would be a, a guy I would throw out there as a future Nathan Drake if the opportunity so be it. Yeah, I mean I, I could see he's got the look. I, I didn't dislike Tom Holland in the role. I just like it was not the way that the character was created in my mind you know especially after playing the video games agrees that's what i'm saying i just think he would be a better match i think he would actually do a great job him or scotty eastwood i've mentioned him for years yeah. i just think like i said uncharted missed for me as well it wasn't super bad it was just there fortunately it just didn't connect with us and so again we do support it because it is a video game related project and we'll talk about another video game related project that we're supporting that we're watching and has taken another controversial turn in Halo Episode 8. So we'll be talking about that here in a bit. 
plus also as well spinal tap 2 could be on the way we could be turning it back up to 11 so we'll be talking about that the pentaverit has gotten some scathing reviews that is the latest effort from michael myers coming back to his own project where he gets to go ahead and create his own illuminati because i know illuminati is all the news with dr strange and all that but he tried to create his own Illuminati, and unfortunately, it's gotten off to some really bad results. Could this be the end of the style of comedy Michael Myers wants to bring to you? We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. Plus, Resident Evil debuted a couple new trailers for its upcoming series. We'll talk about that coming up on the back end. Again, I said Halo Episode 8. EA and FIFA, they have had a divorce that's finalized as both are parting ways. We'll talk about the future for EA and FIFA and what could happen there coming up in a bit. Plus also a major delay now for Xbox fans. We just recently recorded an episode (laughs) on the video game scene and we might have to change quite a few things because Xbox's future looks pretty different now. And we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, this weekend at the box office, Dr. Strange falls sharply and with these marvel movies they always fall sharply anywhere from 55 to 70 percent is usually the the average we're in that range but to be on the larger side the 70 percent side which the doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is trending that's not a good sign that tells me that the word of mouth isn't as strong and that tells me that doctor strange isn't as much of a gotta go see it movie or gotta go see it character as they were hoping to let's say an like an iron man or a captain america which people have always seemed to support back in the days this movie will still make a ton of money but not quite the amount i think that marvel was hoping it would make well marvel makes a majority of its money off of like families i mean maybe families and kids the marketing is all geared towards young kids Right. Word of mouth coming out of this movie is that it should have been rated R. It was incredibly violent. It was incredibly dark and it was very graphic, you know, and like you have these like horror elements. Like so from the the parents that I've spoken to, they were like, I really wish I didn't take my kids to see this movie. Right. Like or they're saying my kids had nightmares or it was too demonic or it was too violent, graphic, dark, whatever you want to call it. Just they're not saying that they dislike the movie, but they're just saying I wouldn't take my kids to see that. And that's what I'm hearing from everybody. And that's what I'm reading around the internet. And it's just, you're losing a big chunk of box office revenue from people not taking their like families who have grown up with these Marvel films to see something like Dr. Strange. It was just such a, a departure from what we know and love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe into something much darker, I guess, is the only word I can think well, of. Well, it was going to. With Doctor Strange, it had to end up that way. But like you said, they didn't want to throw an R rating on it because mm-hmm. they thought it would hurt for that specific Marvel product. They don't want to attach an R label to it as opposed to what DC does with its black label movies, like, for instance, The Joker, which gained over a billion dollars. And that was a success as an R-rated movie. In fact, the biggest R-rated movie of all time. I don't see Marvel and Disney thinking in that same way about their movies. Doctor Strange, they were willing to push it as far as they could, but not go far enough for that. Scott Derrickson, you know, left the project because he wanted to push it into an even darker realm. I think Sam Raimi did the best he could with what he had. But unfortunately, again, when you're trying to deal with a PG-13 rating and you're not only going to get it too scary for younger audiences, but you're not going to get it scary enough and compelling enough for older audiences. Well, yeah, and that's why they're kind of on the edge of that. Tightrope. Yeah, they're on the they're on the tightrope. They're on the edge of the sword, I guess, trying to see like, oh, hey, I can push this to the, the limits of a PG-13 movie and have families come out and say like, oh, man, don't take your kids to see this movie. Or you can, they, they could have made it a rated R film and really pushed it even farther and had something you know created audiences like deadpool or whatever i think that the movie kind of lost its identity being stuck in between one or the other yeah well it's something that again that should show to marvel that when they have that first weekend of may opening they need to do it with a film i think that's going to reach to a broader audience this Mm -hmm. was a gamble that yes it's still going to make right around a billion dollars but to me, that's kind of not a win. That's kind of like a fail because 
if you're going to make 800 900 million dollars from the that type of movie now in the first full year that we're getting back to the theaters as a society i don't consider that a win i think that especially coming off the huge success the huge success of spider-man no way home and earning almost 1.9 billion dollars getting a movie that's going to earn about half that in this overall worldwide take i think is kind of a step backwards for marvel yeah yeah so i mean and hopefully thor comes out that'll be more back to the the marvel that is is a little more family friendly but yeah lighter more comedic right right i think that this was just a movie that people weren't ready for and you know like i said it it wasn't sure what it wanted to be and And i think think moon knight's the same way moon knight went to a dark realm and i think that from the latest ratings that i've seen and read that it's not earning quite the ratings that they wanted it to and i think that just is showing marvel that Yes, they might want to go into this Midnight Suns and all that dark stuff with Ghost Rider and Blade and all that stuff, but they better be careful how they present it and package it because it may not end up being as successful as they want it to be. Well, don't like be a fr- if you're going if you want something to be dark, make it dark, but make it something that's like going to really appeal to people who want that kind of content. Yeah. You know, don't make something that's going to teeter on the edge so that like, oh, hey, my kids like the first three episodes but then i we stopped watching because i saw some guy get decapitated right like don't don't make it have to balance in between these two things because then you're going to push people away on both sides of that fence what are your thoughts out there on dr strange in the multiverse of madness was it everything that you wanted in a marvel movie or were you concerned about the violence the scares or were you not getting enough out of it? Did you want it one way or the other? Did you want it more family friendly or did you want it more on the darker side? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on this episode. We had a great conversation that we're going to go ahead and drop here in a few weeks on the video game scene. With no E3, we have to go ahead and improvise on what these companies are going to do going forward. And part of that conversation was how good the outlook was going to be for Xbox. But something happened along the way. And unfortunately, that includes the delays that were just announced for the two first-party games on the slate for Xbox in Redfall and Starfield. Starfield is the bigger of the two. That was going to drop on November 11th. They're both now pushed back to the early part of next year. First of all, it's a great disappointment for Xbox owners, Xbox fans, but what is this going to do to the Xbox brand for 2022? I don't really think it's going to do, I mean, I'll get to the game delay in a second, but as for the branding, I don't think it's really going to do much because if you look at it, as we discussed you know, on that episode we made, neither of the three big console manufacturers have announced any like officially announced and dated any titles coming out in the holiday season so i don't Starfield was really the only one starfield was really the only one so i don't think it's really going to be damaging to console sales but that being said they need to now there is no like big game coming out so when these summer gaming conferences happen much like we discussed with nintendo and playstation xbox is going to have to have something you know, whether it's a Forza game, whether it's new uh, campaign DLC for Halo Infinite or Fable or whatever it might be, they have to have something come out that's going to essentially bolster their holiday sales. Otherwise, like it's going to be a very slow year for games once again. You know, and the, the like the middle of the year was packed pretty full, right? We had uh, Elden Ring and Tiny Tina and uh, uh, Horizon. Horizon. Yeah, it was a it's a decent middle of the year, but as for like holiday sales for all three of them, like it's just going to be slow and sad because yeah. nobody's really announced anything. And the word on the street is that God of War might not even make it. Yeah, out. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, God of War Ragnarok season. So I don't know. Like I'm really hoping that when these summer gaming conferences happen, we're going to hear something because. As of right now, I know we're talking about like, hey, what would we like to see? I don't know what I'd like to see because nothing seems to be 
anywhere close to being complete. But that being said, with Starfield, like I would rather have them spend a few extra months on it than you know make it complete and good, so it doesn't come out the gate being like Mass Effect Andromeda, where it's incomplete and glitchy. Or Fallout seventy six. Or Fallout seventy six, which they've kind of fumbled their last couple big releases. But fortunately, like quarter one, you know, having it be a quarter one release means that we'll probably see the game around February or March, which is not really that long to have to wait for it. But the thing is, Christmas shopping season, the Black Friday shopping season, I stress on it so much because it's so important to overall sales and the overall industry. If God of War Ragnarok gets pushed back to 2023, then Mm -hmm. you really got some things to talk about as far as the lack of big name releases So it could be very problematic. People could just say, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to save my money. Inflation and all that. You got to worry about things and and be careful where you're spending your money. So people could back off of what they're hearing, what they're seeing as far as the lack of big name games. Plus the console availability is still going to be tight anyways going on there. Sony said it's trying to increase its production and it's not going to meet the kind of production that they want still. But it is getting a little bit better. You see the things that are going on with Xbox Series S and X. Xbox Series S is still available and out there. X is kind of come and go. But, you know, still leading into the holiday season, it's going to be a very busy time. But it may not be as busy. People might actually just go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to wait until next year before I get that next big console. On a positive note, though, this could be a good chance for indie developers to kind of take the spotlight because I don't know if you've played any decent indie games lately, but a lot of these are very deep and fulfilling narratives and, and gameplay. And like it, a lot of these these indie games are very rich in just every aspect. So, I mean, if we're not going to get these big AAA titles like this is a this is a great time to put some spotlight on some of the really great indie devs that are pushing things out for all three consoles absolutely so we'll see what happens but it is a major change in the schedule for xbox fans as starfield and redfall the two major first party releases for the company that have been announced for this year have now been pushed back to next year so i know this is frustrating for xbox fans but please share your frustrations with us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and let us know if you are really frustrated or angry about this or you hope and you believe that this will lead to a better game for both please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast okay wait wait i i can go invisible right because this is this is the absolute worst you can so- certainly try Okay, so that is, um, uh, that's uh, obver, obvination? Ob- ob- <laughs> Close enough. Obvulation? It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can... You are still naked. Oh, God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh, God, this is... The Prince of the City looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Still so much more to talk about in the video game world as EA. Electronic Arts recently had an announcement along with FIFA saying that they have parted ways. FIFA saying that they're going to search out a new company to go ahead and develop their licensed games. As far as it's concerned, EA lost the FIFA license for their upcoming soccer games. EA is still going to be doing some soccer, aka football games that are going in the future. And that's still going to be a part of their library. But with FIFA heading into a different direction and looking for a new partner for creating their games and EA coming out with soccer games, AKA football games in the future under their own banner. This looks like a lose lose situation with the big loser of the two being EA your thoughts on this. I mean, FIFA will probably find some third party developer that will create a game We don't know if it'll be as streamlined or as sometimes good as FIFA is, although the Nintendo Switch versions have been awful. Their console counterparts, the larger console counterparts, have been okay. And obviously they made EA and FIFA a ton of money with the microtransactions and all that. But your thoughts on this whole situation? FIFA games have been some of the biggest 
selling games worldwide over the past 10 years. This is a big decision that both parties made and that they couldn't come to agreement. Your thoughts on EA and FIFA breaking up for good, or at least for now, anyways. EA has money and resources and marketing. Like, I don't see FIFA going to a third-party studio. You're not going to get a game that's anywhere near as good as, you know, what EA can do for that company. At least not right away. At least not right away. But, I mean, I just looking at there's no third-party developers that I can even think of that have the resources and the the capabilities. But we saw with eSports football how that went. Yeah, but and even if you were to go to a Konami or a, I mean, I, I guess even lo- looking at like a THQ or or whatever the Embracer or Two K, yeah, there's nowhere near as much like marketing power and money and Two K development power. Two K, yeah, but I mean, they're just a publisher. They're not a they're not a developer. But no, but the NBA Two K games. I mean, they've also followed that same route with the NBA 2K games and they've mastered the art of microtransactions which they have admittedly said they love so much. Right, but I mean even if they did, it would be some time before they were able to release a quality product. I mean, they're not going to put out a good soccer game right out the gate. No. And we have EA, like what, you're just going to create a generic soccer game? Like you have to go through and have the rights to the names and the the contracts and the merchandise you have to be able to go through and create this whole like new infrastructure for another soccer game and i mean it's just happened before in football in american style football where like 2k they've lost the ability to go ahead and work with the nfl so they try to get a couple famous players on it and attach them get whoever they can contract on it so you have like a dozen famous players in there but the rest are generic FIFA is popular because soccer fans, there's a ton of soccer fans out there who like these games. And if you're removing all the players, the fandom is not going to go to a game that only has like 12 or 13, 14, 15 famous players in it. So I don't know. I think that both sides have lost in this whole thing. I do understand, however, where EA is coming from, where FIFA was so limited on what they were allowed to do and how they were allowed to market and there's just a lot there's a lot of walls and red tape put up Plus the rights fees you know the right yeah the rights fees like there was just it was it was ridiculously expensive for ea to put these games out and who's to even say with all the the contractual things how much they actually were able to profit off of a lot of these but ea sports fc is going to be the name of the upcoming ea soccer slash football game that's coming up and we'll see what happens with the FIFA and who they can get to go ahead and develop their next video game. But if you have any thoughts out there on EA and FIFA officially divorcing after 30 years of working together on video games, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. I think this is going to be huge. I think that this is going to fracture the community. Plus Konami's eFootball, which we used to love previously under the different name and and how it went Mm -hmm. out before it was it was always the underappreciated version of it they changed it became a free-to-play game and it really just tanked and it was really not that good not that well received and yeah yeah. konami makes slot machines like they're into like gambling and that's what this platform is like perfect for them because they're putting microtransactions up there and should have just kept a PS. Should have yeah. just kept a PS. But yeah. what are you going to do? But if you have any thoughts on EA and FIFA breaking up for good, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, <laughs> I want to continue the video game theme going here for the next few minutes, even after the break coming out of it with Resident Evil. But first, it is your friend and mine, Master Chief, continuing his venture on Paramount Plus in Halo Episode 8. And this episode, this whole series has garnered a lot of controversy and a lot of talk online with fans about if they loved it or they've not loved it. We've shared our thoughts continuously on this show as far as our feelings on it, and they've not been strong. But your thoughts on this latest episode as it leads into what most likely will be the fall of Reach or how they portray the fall of Reach, because 
the covenant artifact was set off by the human that was taken by the covenant at an early age and indoctrinated and then she returned to earth and she developed a relationship with master chief it's now to the point where master chief has had relations for the first time ever in the video game series with this individual jazz in the background when you edit this i'm, I'm gonna have to probably <laughs> take a shower it's just what i'm gonna have to say but it's just so weird because this series is all this series also likes voyeurism because while he's in the gist of romance and all that with this individual lady that again was indoctrinated by the covenant and works for the covenant secretly she Cortana's watching Oh yeah, that was weird. That yeah, was actually. But, but, really but weird. again, earlier in the series, when Master Chief was taking the motion chip out of near his butt region, the other Spartan lady was watching. This series loves voyeurism, and it's so weird. It's so creepy, and it, they're not focusing at all on what we love as gamers about Halo. His helmet. He, did he throw his helmet in the trash? Well, I don't I was know. Gonna say we haven't seen Chief and Helmet for like the past three episodes, so it's not. I've uh, given up on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This episode was. Uh, it was. It was interesting. So my wife walked. We're trying in. to be as family friendly as possible. Yeah. By the way, she walked in like uh, maybe five minutes after that scene had occurred, and I like paused it, and she looks at me. And she goes, "What are you thinking about?" I'm like. What are two like childhood icons for you? She goes, I don't know, Mickey and Minnie Mouse. I was like, yeah, well, imagine if they <laughs> got intimate yeah, and you had to watch it. How for would the that first make time. You feel? Yeah. And I was like, how would that make you feel? She goes, I kind of disgusted probably. And I was like, yeah, Master Chief um, just lost his virginity. And she goes, oh, that's gross. Why would they do something like that? <laughs> It just is ridiculous. And then Dr. Halsey has become this like really evil person. Oh, right. And right. It's just, I mean, it's veering off. I understand she's always had her issues with UNSC in the series, but she's just veering off into just all out badness on the show. She's coming out as the worst one of everyone. She was like playing the field as far as like her loyalties, her allegiances mm -hmm. go. And yeah, she just really took a drastic turn there saying like, really oh, dark turn. And it was just unfortunate, you know, that it happened that she like went to McKee with that. And McKee's like, I know nothing about humans and this lady's awful. Yes. And it just kind of skewed her view because it McKee was I, the indoctrinated human. Body yeah. Human. It was really interesting watching her like be a part of humanity for a little bit. But I just didn't like how none of this episode like it didn't make sense you know she tries to tell them that john's getting beat up and then they're like oh i'm gonna poke and prod you with my little electricity sticks but it just doesn't make sense like that wouldn't even happen in like the worst sci-fi shows none of this makes any sense and why this might be one of the worst sci-fi shows yeah why does it matter that she like helped kill that unsc crew it doesn't matter you know that she was with the covenant why are you like oh it's a big deal now like you knew this you knew this. So why is this becoming a big deal? And I don't know, man. Like after I got over the initial shock of seeing like Master Chief and McKee together, I was like, I'm actually starting to like kind of enjoy her character a little bit. And then they're like, uh, and then they just completely changed the dynamic. Dr. Halsey looking this evil, this bad. She ruined bad. everything. Like yeah. she ruined everything. That being said, though, this is like the first time I was actually kind of sad to see the credits roll because I just really want to know what's going to happen. Seriously, though, it's still not getting any better for me. This and is... we're eight episodes in. Okay, so I did watch the last episode. Remember you told me I need to yeah. watch it. I did not care at all about any of that. Like, I think I was doing, like, three other things while the episode was on, just briefly checking into it on occasion. Really don't care about Soren that much. Really don't care about Quan that much, which is sad because I want to. But they're just like not exciting to me or interesting. Their stories seem very one dimensional. Did think it was cool though how there's a monitor on that that was talking to Quan's dad. Like that was the only thing I thought was really like redeeming about that episode. But I'm telling you, man, we're on episode that was episode eight. I think yes. it's like a 12 episode run. Am I? I thought it was 10 or 12. Yeah. Okay. These last two or three episodes, they're going to have to be amazing they only have so much time to redeem themselves now before the season's over like 
these episodes are going to have to be amazing. And I'm, I mean, like, really, really cool in order to kind of turn my opinion around on this. Because even if they were to do something awesome in the last episode, it's not going to change the fact that I had to watch 11 episodes of controversial and mediocre buildup. Like, I need to have at least three solid episodes if my mind is going to be changed on this series. This show has not only jumped the shark, it's jumped off the rails, it's gone through the train station. This thing has really just gone out of control. And Paramount, you got to be ashamed yourselves because this is really just something that's been not fun at all to watch. But what are your thoughts out there on Master Chief getting intimate for the first time ever and all the controversy going on surrounding this series and episode eight? If you have any thoughts, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And I hope you do, because we've always got a lot to say on Halo. But coming up after the break, we're going to be talking some good things, including Resident Evil, the Metaverate, Spinal Tap 2. That's right. We're going to turn it up to 11 with Spinal Tap 2, that and more coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson and me, Gerald Glassford. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Josh, getting back into what we're talking about on this week's episode, Resident Evil is back on Netflix. The movie that just came out a few months ago was underwhelming performance-wise and also as well critically. But they're back at it again. Sony and Netflix doing another deed as far as a series this time around for Resident Evil. This new city that's created, everybody seems to go to. They they start taking this drug that turns them into the zombies and the apocalypse happens and Resident Evil and all that good stuff. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Resident Evil series that's upcoming. It doesn't look good to me, but as a bigger Resident Evil fan than I am, I hope it starts to look good for you. I mean, I'm going to watch the first couple episodes, but to Brave me, it man. looks I just like I don't know anything about this based on the trailer. I don't know what to think. This looks like it's creating an origin story. And how does the T-virus get out? But it feels more like a show that belongs on the CW than something that's true to the Resident Evil mythology. It also feels like they're trying to create the next Walking Dead, which is not something I'm in a hurry to dive back into. We'll keep you up to date what's going on when it concerns the new Resident Evil series on Netflix. But are you going to catch it when it hits Netflix? I know that Netflix is trying to do what they can to go ahead and spice up their content because of what's going on in the world of Netflix. But if you have thoughts on what's going on with Resident Evil on Netflix, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And I did want to mention when it comes to Netflix, I did say in recent comments that I thought they were shying away from live programming. Turns out it's only live sporting events and live sports that they're kind of shying away from for now. They still want to do competition and reality shows and unscripted shows. They're looking more towards that. And so you should still see in the coming months if you're a Netflix viewer. Weighted down with cheap content is what's going to yeah, happen here. That's, that's what they're going to try and do. But comedy specials will be in the offering as well for live content. So at least it'll be something different for them to go ahead and do. But they need to start doing things a little bit differently after their rocky start to 2022. But still so much more to talk about, my friend, on today's episode. Before we get to the Pentaveret and the Illuminati and Spinal Tap 2 and all that stuff before we hit the end of the show, wanted to ask you real quick, did you get a chance to see finally, since they didn't showcase it in your theaters, my friend, the new Avatar trailer it came out the monday after the initial release of dr strange the multiverse of madness did you check out the new avatar 2 trailer yes i did and i'm confused (laughs) how so my friend how so well they have like a a character who 
is obviously on the side of the humans and then they show and the still built this giant facility on pandora and it's got a mixture of like the navi and humans working together or maybe that's just new avatars that they've created jake soley and his wife have like a human child who is running around trees like tarzan and wearing a breather i'm very confused on like why or how or what when what what is this i told you already i do not have a affinity for the avatar franchise at all i told you outside of stephen lang's performance i thought this movie was really not that good but yeah. it's the all-time winning box office champ, much to our chagrin, you know, to cool. Avengers Endgame. And it's going to come back and make more money in September. Right. And the thing that bothers me is it's not even pretty, though. Like, it's like, the, remember the trailers for the first movie? Like, it was pretty, right? And they showed, like, the glowing lights. I don't know if I had really bad ADD. Like, I would have, like, that trailer would, would have been, like, one of those screensavers with, like, the fish or whatever. But like this one, it was just very plain visuals. You know, it didn't really even look cool. Well, the thing was, at 2009, it was cutting right. edge, state of the art. It was technology that people were like, oh, you know, just aghast at that we didn't mm-hmm. think we could actually have that in our lives. I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't think it was that overwhelming yeah. that special effects. But, you know, that was something that, again, people were overwhelmed by. Mm-hmm. Flash forward 12, 13 years later. It's not as amazing anymore because so many other productions have equaled or actually exceeded anything that it's doing right now. So I don't see it as a big leap this time around, which I think for Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, however many he's doing, James Cameron, he's filming back to back to back to back. What he's doing is just not as advanced and out front as what it once was because like like i said the technology has caught up with him and what he's been doing you know be ironic is if this movie ended up just tanking and he had wasted 15 years putting this these like other four or five together it it won't do three billion because there's a chance now with the re-release that avatar the original will go over three billion it won't do three billion but i think just because of the international crowd and audience that would support it just like they do fast and furious and what we talked about earlier with warcraft I just think that it's going to at least get a billion dollars, but that is going to be a disappointment because if the first one earns three and the second one earns one, that's I don't know, man. Like I still, I don't feel like it's even going to do a billion dollars. Like I think maybe Uh, seven, eight hundred million, but I think it's going to do a billion. I I just think maybe uh, it's going to be the heavy lifting. I think will be done internationally. I'm not sure domestically how it will go. It depends on how well it gets received and what the critical ratings are. But if it's like I said, say like a 70 out of a hundred on the Metacritic, then you could see it. The word of mouth, not being that great for it after a few weeks, but internationally, I think it's the type of film that's always going to connect. Cause if it goes to China, which is the world's largest box office. Right. Is, it, it'll is, make a ton of money there. Is it still though? I mean, yes, it is. But right now, a majority of China is still locked down. So yeah. how many, how Good much point. revenue could we expect to see from China right but now? But then again, we're talking seven months down the road. Yeah, that's true. It comes out in December. So yeah, I mean, well, and it's you know, this is all speculation on my part, but I don't know. I just like I, I'm gonna be watching these numbers carefully because I'm. I don't even think that if it makes it to a billion, I think it's going to be like a slow climb. It's not going to be something that's going to happen just like that. Well, it's going to have a huge first week opening. I think it's going to have an absolutely huge first week opening. But like Doctor Strange, I guess the future will determine its ultimate success on that. So we'll definitely see what happens there with Avatar 2, The Way of Water. But if you have thoughts on Avatar 2, The Way of Water, please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com my friend before we hit the break and i wanted to go ahead and ask you if you've seen also as well the westworld trailer that came out recently from hbo and hbo max this past week for season four not necessarily the trailer per se but the series it's coming out here in a few weeks and 
it just doesn't have the buzz that it once did. Remember when we were talking about Westworld as that Game of Thrones successor as the foundational piece for HBO and HBO Max? It never really turned out that way after the first season, but it's still something people watch. But the fact is HBO and HBO Max hasn't really needed it. And it doesn't really need it as a foundational piece anymore. It's a far cry from what it once was, though. What made that so popular was like the interesting mixture of Western and sci-fi. And now it's just it is literally just another science fiction show like bordering on on Blade Runner. It's lost its appeal to me. Like me and my wife sat down and watched the last season. I think the last season came out like what two years ago. Yeah, and you know we sat down and watched that, and we both of us sat there at the end of it thinking like had an interesting story, I guess, but it just was not good. And yeah. so now I'm you know after seeing this trailer, the trailer has no coherency to it. It's just a bunch of like jumbled clips, and I just I don't know what to expect. I'm not interested and. Though I will probably watch it. This is not the Westworld that I came to know and enjoy. This is them trying to be Blade Runner or Altered Carbon or whatever. It just, it's, it feels like a generic sci fi show now. Absolutely. I mean, it was supposed to be this big budgeted, very successful foundational piece for HBO at that point in time. And then HBO Max came along and it never went where it needed to go. And the fact that it hasn't been that, oh, we got to go ahead and must see it. It has not been appointment viewing. It's just become, like you said, just another sci-fi show. I think it's disappointing, but it still earns enough viewers for them to keep it around, even at the higher price tag that it once has. I don't know if it still has that. Maybe they've found ways to go ahead and scale it back behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. But with HBO Max, again, still on the climb now hovering around 80 million viewers as far as on their own. And when they finally come together with Discovery Plus, that'll be over 100 million viewers. That's going to be something, again, where you have that as additional programming. But the reason why they're successful today is even after the day and date, as I said on the Streaming 101 show that people have got to catch, which was really, really good and a great conversation with Melinda on on Mm -hmm. all the streaming services where we gave out grades and all that. The reason why HBO is on the up is because of the fact that they've developed a lot of great shows we're talking about that aren't necessarily Westworld, that yeah. people are really enjoying. And that's the reason why, ultimately, that HBO Max has got a great future ahead of it. Yeah, um, most definitely. You know, Especially like if they end up combining the Discovery Plus service into HBO Max. Like I think that HBO Max will be successful for years to come. You, know, you don't have to worry about people pausing subscriptions or canceling subscriptions when there's a drought in content people just keep that thing running because there's always always something to watch on there absolutely uh, but, yeah, on ahead. the streaming oh sorry on the streaming note though i noticed last night that amazon's actually like sneaking out a bunch of content that's actually not that bad too well as i mentioned upload upload yeah. season two which just finished that was a really good watch people Really, you've got to go ahead and check it out. Highly recommend Upload Season 2. But like you said, they've been putting out some good stuff. And they've got the Lord of the Rings. We gave them a grade where it's on the up. Still a lot more work to be done. Still got to get a lot more stuff in the catalog. But the future is starting to look good because they're now starting to put a focus on what's there in the Prime Video end of it. And Melinda and I had some good things to say. And we think that it's either them or Disney Plus, I think, that could eventually surpass Netflix 2023, 2024, or 2025. You could see a change in the making. We know Disney's on the up. They just reported that they've got, what, 140 million subscribers now or closing in on it. If they ever bought out Hulu, which just reported they've got 45 million, and they finally absorbed all that, like Discovery and HBO eventually will, that could be a closer to that realm. I still think that there's more things to need that need to be done on Disney's end. But again, Netflix has been on that perch for so long. Amazon's got 200 million for other reasons, but mm-hmm. they're with the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings is a huge hit. They could become a huge entity as far as the prime video side of things. Yeah. But the things are definitely changing here in the streaming wars. And that I think is good to see. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always something to watch. It just depends on if you're someone who wants to watch all the things or just some of the things, you know, it's going to decide how much money you're willing to spend. For example, ESPN Plus has been showing hockey all stinking season. And then I sat down to watch the playoffs last week when they started. And they're like, you need a cable subscription to watch this. Why? I don't know. That bothers me. Absolutely. Well, Disney CEO recently said that eventually ESPN will probably wean itself off cable and become a streaming entity in and of itself. So I think that, yeah, that's what they've, they've actually, he mentioned that it's, it's going to the future for ESPN is, is away from cable. I think that the future of sports are on streaming networks. I don't think that the future is on cable anymore because. Well, that's why I was so disappointed when Netflix said around CinemaCon that they were not going to do live sports uh, at this time. So that was, yeah, that was kind of disappointing. If you're trying to get people to like get cable packages, even the ones that do stream that require some kind of cable package or cable subscription, you know, you're looking at like $75 for like YouTube TV or what, whatever the other ones are. Fubo, I think is the other sports. Fubo, one. Hulu does also live TV yeah. package. Yeah. You're looking at $75 for these packages and People go to streaming services because they're cheap, you know, like you might as well just get cable again, in which case these streaming services who want you to pay this much money are losing out on subscription money because people are like, well, I'll just turn my cable back on. So what is the point? Yeah, what is the point indeed? But we want to hear your thoughts out there on what's going on with the streaming world. Hopefully you get a chance again to check out our streaming one-on-one episode. Had a great conversation, but what are your thoughts out there on Avatar and Westworld? The latest trailers have been shown for the upcoming Avatar and Westworld projects, but please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, a couple last things. The Pentaveret, which is the latest offering from Michael Mars, who has gotten back into entertaining after a long hiatus. And I know his reprisal of the characters in the Austin Power series worked great in that commercial, in that really short time setting as far as earlier this year for the Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. But he returns with that same sort of concept as far as creating an Illuminati that's supposedly going to save the world with him playing several characters within this. And in this comedy, I'm going to put that in quotations, it's not going over well this time around for Netflix. It looks like he was given the kind of opportunity that Adam Sandler was to go ahead and do a lot of projects for Netflix. And it's hopefully getting the kind of numbers that those poorly critically received Adam Sandler movies were getting on Netflix because, unfortunately, the reviews are really bad for it. Unfortunately for him, that is not a good sign. But let me ask you this. Do you think people are still going to go ahead and check it out despite the bad reviews? Or do you think that this style of comedy where an artist plays so many different characters within the same project, like we've seen from Michael Myers and in Austin Powers and now the Pentaveret. Do you think that style of comedy is coming soon to an end? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the whole Saturday night live style comedy is coming to an, it's been at an end for a long time. People just aren't interested in that type of thing anymore. Well, like, but Saturday know, night live is still getting great ratings. Yeah. But it's not like it, there's a difference between watching something for 30 minutes and then devoting, you know, an hour and a half to two hours to something like that. I mean, look at when when I was a kid, I used I loved Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey. I loved Austin Powers. There was a time and a place for movies like that, and I just don't think we're at that time or place anymore. You know, especially when there's so many other things that people will be willing to watch. 
that's what you're afraid of getting to when you do this, when you reach back into the nostalgia that people are just not willing to go ahead and accept it. The older audiences just kind of like moved on and the younger audiences just don't get it at all. When you see Michael Myers on the screen playing Michael Myers with a different accent, Michael Myers with a different accent, Michael Very Myers nice. with a different, yeah, it, it just, it doesn't click with audiences the same yeah. way it did 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough figuring out what audiences want these days because there's just so much variety out there. And no yeah. matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to please everybody. Well, that's a good thing, though, that there's so much variety out there that, yeah. yes, I understand Definitely. that what you talk about with all the, the higher expenses of the of the streaming outlets and possibly going back to cable or just going to broadcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a, a conversation I've got upcoming with our TV expert, Don Fobbs, later this week on the PC Multiverse about all the changes on the broadcast end with all the cancellations coming up. But I wanted to go ahead and say before we cut to our final thing that we're going to be talking about is that. That's what we've wanted for, for so many years. When we first started doing this show in 2016, that was the cusp of the streaming era that we were no. getting on. We were hoping for more options. We were hoping for a sea, a literal ocean of content yeah. that's to be put out there and it, to get to the point where we can't even keep up. And you and I have complained on the show repeatedly about how there's so much out there. It's really hard to keep up. That's not necessarily a bad thing now. That's what we've yeah. always wanted, isn't it? We have, but it's also like created issues for content providers too. Like, what am I going to make? And even if I do make something, what happens if someone who's a fan of something else watches that and is, you know, offended by something that I said that they're not even invested in? Like, it's just so dangerous being a content creator because, you know, if you're not panned critically, you get panned social. I don't know. There's just a lot of like, it's rough water for anybody creating anything these days. Yes, it is, my friend. But there's a ton out there. At least you can't say it's lacking in content. That's the right. thing. There's always something. Disney has done the same thing to me again. They don't have that non-Marvel Star Wars gotta stay on Disney Plus content, in my opinion, still. That's their only flaw in their arsenal is that they don't have enough in the arsenal that's not Marvel or Star Wars related right. to keep me or keep a lot of people out there as far as fresh content is concerned. So yeah. what do I do? I go find other stuff. I found severance because the last gap I found upload because of this gap now. And I think that the content out there from other streaming parties, you have options. Now you have options to go ahead and say, okay, Disney plus you've got nothing coming up right away until Kenobi later this month. I'm going to go ahead and check out some other stuff. That's the problem. You might lose subscribers because, but, yeah, but Hey, that's the thing. Retention rates. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But also like, yeah, there's a bunch of great stuff out there everywhere. So why am I going to keep paying? You know, I'm at the point now where I'm about to like pause or cancel my HBO Max subscription because I wanted to watch something on Peacock. Oh, you're and, one of the few, my friend. Well, I, I'm curious to see how the those Dan Brown adaptations are, the Robert Langdon stories, the Da Vinci Code thing. I'm just curious. So I might just pick it up, you know, at least do the trial and check out a couple episodes. But I have HBO Max. I'm getting charged like 15 bucks a month for it and i'm not using it at all so i mean i might as well just cancel it until something comes out that i'm wanting to actually sit down and devote time to and that's what a lot of people are doing they're picking and choosing peacock again peacock's the one that we talked about and had a pretty good laugh over as far as the one that's struggling the most on our streaming 101 special and you're one of the few going back there because there's a lot of people that don't have enough content if you're not a wwe fan that's the problem with that service, but there is always something to see. Like you said, you found something on Peacock. There are other people that have found something on other streaming platforms. So the thing that I like about this age is that if you don't like or don't use something, you can cancel mm -hmm. it and then pick it up later when there's something good to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's plenty out there for everybody. But again, like it's hard to know who your audience is these days because so many people just watch so many random things. What are your thoughts out there on what's going on with the streaming world? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great episode, my friend. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by as always. But before we head on out, Final Tap are getting back together. Some of the individuals involved have been not doing anything for quite a stretch. But they're all coming and getting back together 
for Spinal Tap to turn it back up to 11 at a future date. So that's in production. It's getting started. The writing process has begun. Your thoughts on a return to Spinal Tap, one of the greatest mockumentaries of all time. I have actually never seen Spinal Tap. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm sorry. That was before my time. Yeah, I'm going to have to refer to your expertise on that. It is a funny movie. It is a little dated now these days, but it is still extremely well done. The jokes, for the most part, still hit in many cases. And if you look at it from the fact that it just was such a different way of creating things and Rob Reiner just did a sensational job directing this and obviously all the actors involved and Spinal Tap went on to go ahead and become a successful group and artists as far as doing shows and doing live events and things of that nature later on. I mean, it gained a life all of its own, even though the movie didn't do that great in its initial run Spinal Tap in the videotape era in the late eighties and nineties became a huge rental property and then when DVD and now streaming, it's always something that's become, I don't say it's cult classic at this point, it's become a, a reasonable hit, a reasonable big hit because of all the money that's been made over the years. In fact, they went to a court case over it. They fought the movie company over the, the rights to it. And as far as the income that was coming year in and year out for that film that they weren't getting a big chunk of because of the movie, the fact that it is so beloved after all these years, it's still getting that much money. So- I'm telling you, my friend, this is actually a lot bigger news than what people are maybe thinking that it is because a return to Spinal Tap, I don't know if it's going to be good, but at least it's worth a shot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's got a cult following and, you know, this would also be a chance for people to be introduced to the original property. I mean, I guess I need to sit down and check it out. But yeah, anytime I go to like stores that sell pop culture items, you only see Spinal Tap Records or Spinal Tap VHS, Spinal Tap DVD see spinal tap t-shirts the name is definitely out there still so i mean i guess if they can garner enough interest in this this could be something that yeah it could be profitable i think it could be it could be something if if done right could be really successful hey it's all the original creators getting in on this they didn't have to be doing this Mm -hmm. because again after the court case was decided in their favor They saw a new stream of revenue from all the years that they weren't collecting as much money. In fact, they were collecting just pennies on what they actually deserve to make over the years because that movie has been such a big cult classic and hit over the course of the past few decades since it came out in the early 80s. It's something that they're now garnering and prospering off of. And the fact that they want to go back and create a number two all these years later, and obviously probably joke on that aspect is that they're doing it all these years later yeah that's going to be a part of the joke that it's going to be that much more interesting i think if anybody is going to grab something and create something that's going to actually work for a modern audience because of the fact that they have such a cynical way of seeing things mm-hmm. i think that this spinal tap 2 reunion could be the best chance for that yeah yeah absolutely i mean i'm I'm interested now, so maybe I'll go check out Spinal Tap 1 here. Have you seen any of the Christopher Guest movies, like Best in Show or... Man, gosh, man. I know. I've heard of all of them. I just never like sat down to invest myself. Oh, They're really good comedies. Really strong. Really well made. Again, they have not garnered the massive success, but they've always had their own following. Kind of like the Wes Anderson movies in that realm. They had their own audience, but yeah. Definitely looking forward to seeing a return to Spinal Tap. Are you ready to turn it back up to 11 with Spinal Tap? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, like I said. But as always, any last thoughts before we head on out? No, I think we covered everything that I know of. So I think we're good. I hope your Xbox doesn't gather dust this fall (laughs) yeah same right same thing with all the other consoles again for me this just tells me i don't need to go out and buy an xbox console yeah well they're gonna need need a very prosperous showcase here in order to justify that absolutely 
all eyes will be on what Xbox announces in June. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and update you on that on Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. But please go ahead, follow us wherever you can, Pop Culture Cosmos, and make sure to check us out because we cover the latest news and trends in the world of pop culture every week right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.